What's good, Wizards fans? It's your host, the real Ed Oliver and Brandon Scott. Today we have special guest, Math Dra- Mavs Draft, aka Richard Stamen, to break down the Wizards draft picks. Let's get to it. You are locked on Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, we got Richard Stamen on, a.k.a. Mavs and Magic Draft from the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. How are you feeling today, man? You know, I, uh, I'm i more relieved knowing the draft is in the rearview window. Uh, rear, excuse me, rearview mirror. Um, knowing that there's no more speculation. I'm happy. I, I really, it's crazy too, because I don't think any one team had like a bad draft. So it's, I'm feeling good. Definitely. So uh, the Wizards, they traded up for Bilal Kulabali. You actually called that the day before the day of. Is that correct? You predicted that to happen. I, I can't confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, Mavs, he had, Mavs draft, he has on a, a John Wall jersey. So he's repping the Wizards today. He is a uh, low-key Wizards fan for sure. So we appreciate you for that. Um, what was your grade or what was your uh, initial reaction to the Wizards trading up for Bilal Kulabali? They traded two first-round picks. And they moved up one spot with the Jazz. How surprised were you that that happened, and what was your reaction to that? Yeah, I was kind of shocked that they, they moved up just that one pick because I thought they could have taken them at eight. Um, but, eh, it doesn't I, – I don't think the first-round picks were, like, super valuable first-round picks, if I'm not mistaken. I, I can't remember exactly what they were, but they weren't, like, coveted picks, right? So – for me, I, I think it was worth it. Bilal's that, like, really for both guys, I know we're just on Bilal, but him and Vucevic, like, I think they're both in perfect situations to maximize the growing pains, right? Where it's like you can actually afford these growing pains that Bilal's going to have in the NBA because there's no pressure to win right now. Like, the Wizards are the newest team to enter a rebuild, and those are guys that you want to be able to have as much trial and error as possible. And I think it gives them that route. 100%. Yes, we are rebuilding. So, and Will Dawkins said that he wants uh, Bilal to play as a guard, as a two or a three. And Bilal himself, himself said that he wants to play as a guard, as a shooting guard, as a three. He compared himself to Paul George, compared himself to Mikhail Bridges. So, uh, where do you see him playing at with the Wizards roster currently constructed right now? Of course, there's a lot of changes that are going to happen. You know, you brought in Jordan Poole, Tyus Jones, Denny, of course, Gafford at the five, and you got Corey. Um, Gallo's on the roster still at the moment. So I know it's super, super early, but where do you see Bilal getting playing time? Uh, as a yeah, rookie, do you, do you think he needs to come off the bench? Probably to start the year, yes. But I think he's going to be a guy that starts at least 25, 30 games. It wouldn't shock me at least. So I think down, especially actually probably more because of how the league really doesn't care about the last <laughs> three weeks. So those are guaranteed like what is that a minimum 10 to 15 starts right there. So I think he's going to get a good amount of starts. It's going to be about half the season, if I had to guess. We also just don't know what the rest of the team looks like, but I think it's really good for him to be able to play as that second ball handler, third ball handler a lot. I mean, Tyus Jones, and uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, the trades have thrown me off so much, but Monty Morris uh, is still here, right? Or did he get shipped out? I can't remember. Momentarily. <laughs> Momentarily not yeah. for long. 
He's that's, here for now. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think I'm so confused because I'm like, there's no way this dude's staying. But like, if you have them two, those are two of the most mistake-free guards in the NBA, right? So that can kind of counter any uh, risk, I would say, in terms of terms of turnovers that Bilal may uh, provide. It's not the right word, but just have. So I do think that it's a, a give and take in a really positive way. Is it going to result in winning right away? Probably not, but it is going to be long-term development stuff that now that he's gotten the just the misses and the turnovers out of the way, that it's probably going to be as bad as it gets in that regard. Right. And uh, Brady, you can go ahead. Got you. So we're going to stay on Blau. Obviously, um, we traded up to get him at seven. If we didn't make that move, what prospects do you think would, would be the best fit if we didn't draft Blau at eight? Yeah, I, I feel like, in theory, Jairus Walker, but Jairus Walker, I think, is somewhere you don't go as your first rebuild pick. Like, he's somebody who is going to get you from rebuilding to retooling or retooling to we're ready to be in the playoffs. Like, like kind of like where Indiana is, right? Or even where Detroit, uh, Detroit is, that in a way, Orlando, like that kind of situation. But when you're – my draft philosophy just in general is if you're at the beginning of a rebuild, Swing for the fences. The fit can come later. Just get the talent. And I do think Bilal actually fits that. On my board, the way I would have had it, um, some of the guys that I was considering at like pre-draft did not go at all in that range. Kobe Bufkin would have been one I really like if he had been healthy. Uh, and I'm not taking any – the problem is I'm not taking any of these guys at eight, right? So, like, I would have traded down to probably get these. But, like, you got the Dariq Whiteheads who was picked at 21 uh, or 22. I can't remember. But the, the Nets pick. Yeah, Bryce Sensabaugh, who fell because of medicals. Like, Leonard Miller, who fell, really, we don't really know why. Um, Keontae George would have been a good gay. Like, any of those guys, Cam Whitmore, that was the obvious shock fall of the night. But I think, ultimately, Washington made the right pick, though. Yeah, Cam Whitmore was my guy. And, you know, his his fall going to uh, Houston was very surprising. But, you know, I think, the you know, poor workouts and – just concerns with his medical, I think were big reasons why he fell. But I'm a bit I was a big Ken Whitmore guy, but I'm big on Bilal. I think that his potential is through the roof. You know, if he's properly developed, he can be an all-star in the future, in my opinion. Um, kind of looking forward in next year's draft. I'm um, obviously the Washington Wizards are still looking for that point guard of the future. Um, looking at it, a kind of a headliner for next year's draft, DJ Wagner, the son of Dewan Wagner, who Scored 100 points in high school, you know, had a short-lived NBA career, but a lot of potential. Um, do you, if we drafted DJ Wagner, could you see a fit with him and Bilal in the same backcourt? Yeah, definitely. So DJ's, uh, he's still, you know, he was an elite prospect at one point, but he kind of cooled off. I still think he's pretty gifted in, on both ends enough to be able to be like, I don't know if he's got superstar upside, but like star upside. And it's obviously easy to say that when you watch him dominate high school, but high school to college is such a massive jump. Um, really, there's actually several guards in next year's class that you could really point to. I do like DJ Wagner's fit because uh, he can play off ball just as easily as he can on ball. And I think that's the big thing for him. But also, like, I mean, Isaiah Collier is number one on, on three. I like him more than DJ. I think he's very smooth in the pick and roll. I think he's like one of the safest point guard prospects I've ever seen. He's 6'3". It's not like super effective hype, but like it's it's safe enough. Um, but next year's class is like a forward heavy class. So if you're able to get a guard like DJ Wagner or Isaiah Collier, like you jump on that right away because like the other headliners are forwards. 
Yeah, I agree. Like very forward, heavy class. But I like DJ Wagner, man. I'm a, I'm a University of Kentucky guy, so I'm very biased. But I do like I, I do like Isaiah Collier. He's got some dog in him too. So, um, one more question, real quick. Uh, looking at Tristan Vucevic, um, if he adds defense to his game, how good could he be? And could he be a potential starter going forward if he's properly developed? I mean, I think if he's got, I kind of the way I see it with Vucevic is. If he's already got the shot, which he does, that's that's going to negate some of the horrible defense right now. So he is very bad in that regard. It's how much will he learn. And if he gets to be even just like below average, below average is a win outcome because right now he is very poor at protecting the rim. He's pretty liable, pretty much a liability in, in isolation. Um, for me, I think, I think if he gets stronger, that'll do a lot for him. But this year's kind of a chance to see hey, like there's no risk of like, yeah, if he plays 20 minutes a game, we're losing every minute of his, but he's still scoring like 45%, like from 45% from the field, like 40% from three, whatever points are. Like you're still taking that in year one because there's no risk. But down the road, you do want to see that defensive development. As long as he can just learn to not put himself in bad spots, which isn't going to happen right away. But if you want to see the flashes of it, of him like having a few games here and there, of just defense where it's mistake free. I think that's really where he can win and develop on defense. Yeah, I agree. I, I love his game. You know, his defense is what he really needs to work on. But I think what really impressed me about Vucevic was the fact that he said, I don't want to be a stash. I want to come over next year. I want to, I want to get into the grind. I want to get acclimated to the team. And that says a lot about him because he wants to get in. He wants to start playing. He wants to start building the chemistry. And that's very important for a rebuilding team. Chemistry is key. You know, building long-term chemistry. So, you know, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm very high on, on Vucevic, but he's got to work on that defense this offseason. So uh, what do you think, E? Oh, 100%. I, I like the way he, he shoots the ball um, defensively. Yeah, as a seven-footer, you would love to see him protect the rim and be more of a presence down there, but you definitely see the, the potential on offense. Uh, we are going to get to um, what Rich saw at the Combine, so I definitely want to hear his thoughts because he got to see him play in person at the Combine where – um, Vukovic went crazy in that game, but before we do get into that, uh, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back, because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so make sure you guys make Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. Thank you guys for that. And every dayers, tomorrow on the show, we might be talking about um, Ted Leonsis potentially moving the team, the stadium to Virginia. I know a lot of you guys want to hear about that. Um, a lot of you guys have opinions on that. So we may talk about that and just a little bit more about Jordan Poole and free agencies coming up this weekend. So we're going to try to tap in on that. So um, I'm going to get back to Tristan real quick. And then uh, just about Bilal, because I've seen a lot of, Mixed reviews from the fan base, of course. He is, you know, what you call a, a boomer bust prospect, a, a risky pick or a swing. Um, offensively, what what are his strengths that he's bringing to the table day one on the offensive side, offensive side of the ball? And this is for Vukovic? Uh, for Blau. 
Oh, for Bilal. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think with him, his slashing is really impressive. I, I'm, I've been impressed by this. this. Is one thing I always look for in in longer guys who get to the rim. Scotty Barnes had this trait. Giannis had this trait, and their strides are just ridiculous. They got long legs, and they know how to use it in traffic. Like they just dance around defenders because of it. They're quicker because of it. And I think that's something where it really helps Bilal. And uh, for him, like I, he's a great finisher. Sixty-eight percent at the rim. He went sixty, or yeah, he went sixty-seven of ninety-nine, which is pretty much sixty-eight percent. And that's really impressive. That's a number centers put up. And he's not just like yeah, he is cutting a lot. So like I get it. Some of it's inflated. But even on his own drives, he can finish with both hands. Like he's quick. He has a good first step. I think that even without much of a handle right now he's going to be able to score at the rim very well. But as he develops that handle, like that scoring upside is pretty high. Right. Yeah. I see it with the cuts. I see it in transition. Uh, he likes to hero stuff a lot. He can finish with both hands. He finishes with his left hand a lot too. Super athletic and finish above the rim uh, for sure. And then you look at the playoff numbers. He put up some, some, he had a couple good games in the playoffs. You look at some of the regular season numbers compare, of course, his under 21 stuff. He was leading his league and scoring, if I'm not mistaken. Um, average five points a game uh, in the regular season, but of course he was moved up in the middle of the season. So of course the numbers are not going to look great. Um, but if there was, what's the biggest thing that he needs to work on offensively? Of course the shot right now, it definitely needs a lot of work. Yeah. I think it's the jump shooting. I mean, for me, when I was diving into his game, I was like, all right, there's three areas that he has to work on, right? He has to tighten his handle. That's one. He has to improve that jump shot to get really consistent. And he just needs to get stronger. All three of those go hand in hand on offense because if he tightens his handle, boom, he's able to break guys down one-on-one at six, eight, six, seven, whatever he is. Like that's really high upside. If you're able to break your guy down one-on-one, then if he adds jump shooting, he can, his jump shot off the dribble is very far away. Honestly, at this point, it's non-existent. Developing that would help getting his catch and shoot numbers up would help. And then if he gets stronger, we're, we're already looking at a very good plus finisher. He hasn't filled out his frame at all. And when he gets stronger, he's going to get just tougher finishes more consistently. And I think he'll get even better because of it. Like length and strength at the rim matters a lot. So if he gets even just two or three of those, two out of the three of those, excuse me, like that's a big win. Right. So the shot is is far, is, is pretty far away right now. The mechanics, it's a slow shot. Um, and what would you grade the uh, Blau pick for the Wizards? I think it was an A. I think it was just the right amount of an upside. Also, like, I, I don't think he's super boomer bust. I think his defense is good enough to hold him together. And again, like the finishing defense and cutting on the wing, like it has enough value as long as he's not atrocious on defense or excuse me, as a shooter. Right. Okay. And then getting back to Tristan, uh, what what about his offensive game impress you the most? And then I, I didn't see him post up a lot. Of course, in today's game, there's not a lot of bigs that are yeah. playing back to the basket, but I just didn't see him really kind of, get into the paint much he was more of an outside guy uh, what were your thoughts about his his offensive game seeing him at the combine and also compared to the competition at the combine where was that game um something that the wizards that wizards fans and wizards the wizards front office can really hang their hat on or was the competition low uh, at that game yeah so at the combine he looked really good he was finishing at the rim which is something he did in such great he just found great success in low volume, but it looked really translatable. Like for the year, he was 48 of 60 at the rim uh, in Europe because he didn't shoot at the rim that much. But like on small sample size, you never know, but it's 80%, which is ridiculous. And he probably went 80% at the rim 
in the combine game too. Like he did not care if there was defense there. He could finish over guys. But most importantly for him, I think it's he has the jump shot and it's so quick and it's unblockable, to be honest. And I think because of that, he's going to be a good finisher at the rim, too, in the NBA, because one of the things I think he only did it once or twice, but he, he had his pump fake and drove to the basket. And look, when you're seven feet and you can pump fake and drive to the basket off the perimeter off two step, like what one dribble and like two steps, it's really hard to stop. So I think he's uh, I think he's going to be someone who is just an absolute dynamic offensive player. Right. In that game, right. In that game, he had 21 points, three for three from the three point line, eight for 10 from the field. So he, he just went absolutely uh, crazy in that game. And just looking at the draft board, as, as Brandon asked you, you know, some other guys that, you know, may have fit. And I, I want to ask you about their draft a little bit, too, here, because they traded the 35th pick. Um, they traded that to the, I want to say the Bulls for multiple second yep. round picks. They could yep. have gotten um, Colby. I'm sorry. No, Julian Phillips was the pick at 33. Um, Amari Bailey was at 41. Maxwell Lewis was still on the board. Jordan Walsh. They traded that pick. And then at 42, guys like City Sissoko was still there. Gigi Jackson, um, Seth Lundy out of Penn State. And of course, the, the, the most popular guy, Monty Bates. Keontae Johnson at Kansas State. I've listened to a podcast where you raved about Keontae Johnson. Was there any guys that you thought would have been a better fit at pick 42? There or is so, it just, you know, the second round? You know? Yeah, there were so many guys that I would have liked. I mean, my on my board, my 29th through 55th player, I had every one of them in the same tier. So mm-hmm. I think there was enough where it's pick your it, – it's not like a pick your poison, but, I mean, you have your choice, right? You got – you just got to choose who you believe in more i think the wizards could have gone up with someone more upside range but i don't know vucevic is seven foot and he can shoot like those are pretty safe guys and if he can develop any form of defense i think it's pretty good um i would have personally like if it was me i, I think Jalen slawson was still available um i probably would have taken him but i also would have liked trace jackson davis i think trace jackson davis could have been day one he looks really good and he could be one of those guys where like a jordan bell in the first year obviously it's not exactly the same because um jordan bell was drafted to a championship team but i do think something like that where you look at just that impact right away that's what trace jackson davis could have done so that would have been like the only other guy but if you're trying to get upside i get it vucevic can shoot may be able to defend one day can finish at the rim there's more upside there Right. And the Wizards, it's funny because the Wizards did draft Tracy Jackson Davis, but they ended up trading him to the Warriors for, um, I want to say, Patrick Baldwin ended up here, Ryan Rollins. Ended and that's a that's a good deal, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We, we, yo, go ahead. I, I just, I really like Baldwin's fit. Like, let him have unlimited freedom as a shooter. It's the best possible thing for him. Right. Uh, Brandon, did you have anything else? Yeah, just uh, a few more things real quick. Um, looking back at Tristan Vucevic, man, um, as far as his coachability, um, do you think that he's a coachable player? And if so, can he develop his defensive game to the point where he can kind of supplement or kind of start over Gafford? Do you think he can get become a starter in this league if he can, you know, become an above average defender? I think above average is pretty far. For me, I mean, the names I wrote down as that he's similar to were like Channing Fry, who is the best defender of this bunch that I'm about to name. Uh, Spencer Hawes, like Mike Muscala, like that kind, that kind of a bunch where it's like, it's not pretty, but like at the end of the day though, those guys actually aren't bad. Like there's a reason, I mean, all of those had 10 plus year careers, right? So there is that element, but if you're, I I just, I don't think Vucevic is going to get there on defense. I had somebody uh, tell me 
you know, they think Vucevic might be the worst overall defender in this draft and is completely unplayable. So I, I, I couldn't get there. Obviously, the Wizards couldn't either. But I do think he's going to have a learning curve where he looks like a traffic cone for quite some time. So I, I think the defensive upside is almost unrealistic. But it's okay because if you play him next to Gafford, I don't think he's going to start over Gafford. I think if you play him next to him, a lot of those weaknesses come uh, just a little bit minimized. Okay. I could dig it. I, I see that. I see that. Um, Looking at this draft real quick. Um, not sure, You know, the draft is sort of changing. You know, not so many guys coming out of college as opposed to international players or players who are playing in um, the G League, G League, G League Ignite. Do you think this is the trend now? That the floodgates are opening now. You're seeing a lot more talent as far as international players. And do you see an NBA where an internet, the international players can, you know, the hit of the, or rather the face of, do you see an NBA where the face can be an international player? I think it's about to be. I think we're about to have three internet, four international guys be the absolute face. Um, I mean, Giannis, Jokic, Luka, and Wembenyama. And, and let's be real. I mean, like, I, I, I know that I'm on a Wizards podcast, so forgive me for this. But the upside for Bilal Koulibaly, if he does hit, like like I said, those three things, right, of ball handling, strength, and shooting. Like, if he comes around in every one of those, which, yeah, it's a, it's a very optimistic, uh, you know, evaluation in that regard. It still is realistic, I think. He's a hard worker. He's very young. He's still 18 years old. And he was a very meaningful player to winning basketball and overseas as a pro. Like, there's a real chance that he could be one of these guys that he becomes an all star and he becomes, he's not, I don't know if he's ever going to be a superstar in the way those guys are. But like, if you're an all star, you're, it's always in consideration that you could take that jump to superstar. Okay. Yeah, I agree. You're starting to see the league change. You know, it's the floodgates of yep. international players, which I dig it, man. I love the diversity of the NBA because, you know, you see guys from Africa, Asia, Europe. I mean, it's, you got it's such a collection of players who add so many different dynamics to this league. So I, I definitely dig it, man. So now nah, I'm good, man. Um, You know, I, I love what I hear uh, what you said about Bilal, man. You know, his, uh, his potential is through the roof, man. I mean, I, I like to pick. Uh, risky pick, you know, I you got to say it's, it's very risky pick, but his upside, you know, and, and the thing that really helps is that we're in year zero of a rebuild. So we've got nothing but time to develop him and give him playing time. So uh, Vucevic, I'm hoping today he can at least become not a black hole in defense. You know, some would be, you know, usable in defense, but man, his scoring. I mean, he can definitely score the rock. So, um, yeah, if I'm going to grade it real quick as far as what I thought about the draft overall, man, it's going to be his name, man. Because I think if they hit on – even if they hit on one of these two guys, I'm just saying this: you're going to get a guy who, is, who can really develop into an all-star. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I really – the Channing Fry comparison is hilarious to me because that's exactly what I was thinking about with uh, Vucevic because he's, he's a three-point shooting big. He's a stretch five. Doesn't really get into the paint much from what I watch, but he can really put the ball on the floor. He's super fluid, has some unorthodox shots, some fadeaway shots that he knocks down, just some really, really tough shots um, that he makes. So um, I, I think he's a good lob threat, too. I mean, of course, when you're seven feet, uh, still has some athleticism as well. So I, I, I'm fine with the pick. Um, you know, I, I do like Gigi Jackson a lot. I do like him. I like his potential. Of course, there was some maturity, uh, you know, question marks with Gigi, but I, I think he's I think he's going to be a good player in the league. Um, Amani Bates, same thing, questions with off-the-court decisions, but, you know, I think he's going to be a good player in the league eventually too. Uh, but I think he was a good pick. And then Bilal is uh, – I, I do see him as a boomer bust pick. I do think him as a risky pick, but this is the time to do it because we are rebuilding. So I, I give it about a B for, for a boomer bust 
picks with these guys, I think they're going to, I think they have a, a large chance to be super talented, but they got to put the work in, of course. And it's going to, I think it's going to be a slow process with Bilal. I think it's going to take some time, but the, the reward for taking that time definitely is going to be great when he hits the ceiling. So um, before we wrap it up, what's, uh, what do you see as Bilal's ceiling? What do you project him to be? And where did you have him ranked on your big board? Yeah, I, I only had him at, I think 15 or 16 on my board, mm. but in hindsight, I probably would have bumped him up to pretty much top 10. I think the more like he was so late into the process where I was like, well, I know, I know everything about everyone else already. Where do I squeeze this guy in? And I think I was probably too scared to like, actually just trust my own instincts in a way, probably move him up a few more spots. Like he's right behind Derek, uh, Whitehead, for example, where mm -hmm. Derek Whitehead may play three years in the NBA because of injuries. And like, there is risk there, but I think with Bilal, I think for me, it's, I, at the end of the day, there's a very good chance he's a top 10 player from this draft, like very good. And if you get a top 10 player from a, one of the best pre-draft, at least drafts we've seen in a very long time, you're happy because the top 10 is, I mean, they're probably all all-star considerations at a minimum. Uh, that's where like 2018, for example, a lot of those guys are borderline all-stars. So, and, and that one had 10 deep. I think Bilal though, overall, I think he's going to be a two-way stud. I think the finishing is there right away. The defense is there right away. How fast can he develop his handle? How fast can he get stronger? That one's probably going to take the longest. And how fast can he shoot, like, even if it's just catch and shoot? And where does that jump shot off the dribble come in? Those are pretty much, those are all the swing factors of him being, like, he's going to be good. That's just really what he would need to take to become that superstar and hit his high ceiling. Right. 100%. Um, so we're going to wrap it up here, but I'm, I like what he did in the under 21 league. And then he played against LeBron's son last year and he dominated that game too. So, um, and I thought he played pretty well in the playoffs too. So there's definitely some potential there with Blau. Brandon, did you have anything did you want to say before we wrap it up? Um, one quick question real quick, cause it kind of hit me, man. Um, you know, looking at a lot of these international players, a lot of people saying, you know, need time to develop. Are we kind of overrating Wimbenyama right now? I've seen reports that are already putting him as a top 10 player in the NBA and he hasn't played him in the NBA. Do you think that he's going to need time to develop or do you think he's going to come right in and be that guy? I think if the only way he's not an all-star this year, honestly, like Yao Ming was an all-star as a rookie, if I'm not mistaken. Granted, there was a lot more, I think the voters uh, were a little bit passionate. That, that, that was obviously part of it. And that was back in the day where fans got the entire starting 10. Um, but I do think, look, it's not the most unheard of thing to have a rookie be an all-star. Uh, Luka Doncic, for example, he wasn't an all-star, but he was a top 25, 20 player really by January. Uh, it was, I, I really don't know how he was an all-star, but that's besides the point, but that stuff for generational players just isn't uncommon. And when Benyama was so dominant in France, it was unheard of how dominant he was. I think he's a top, I don't think top 10 right away. I do think that's a little bit of a stretch, but I would say like top 25 is a very fair and reasonable outcome and top 20, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's 24 all-star spots. So he's a fringe all-star right there. The only way okay. he's not as health. Like that's it. Okay. I, I just figured I'd ask, man, because I've seen some reports where people are saying right now he's a top 10 player and I like women. Young, and I think he's gonna come in. He's going to be, he's going to be something special, man, but it's just right now, top 10 without playing a minute. I, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that, man. Not yet. Yeah, I mean, I get it, though. Like, sorry, I get it. Um, I think I, I, it's hard, right? It's an unfair expectation that now he's got to live up to. And if he gets one injury, he's done. Like, because it's not – I feel like this year is going to change the load, load management stuff with 
everything, you know, 62 games to be in the All-NBA, all that stuff. I do think, if unless it's a serious injury, we're going to see a lot of Wimbanyama this year. Yeah, I agree. I like Wimbanyama. I think he's going to be special in this league, man. I think he's going to be definitely a generational talent. So, now nah, I'm goody. Yep. All right, and you you said that you gave the grade both picks or overall an A? I would still give the draft night an A. Okay. I think Bilal's an A. Tristan's probably like a B, B plus. Like, mm-hmm. again, it's one of those things. You had so many choices. There wasn't a wrong pick. You made just like it's all personal preference at that point if you liked a little bit more than the last. Right. All right, before we wrap up, did you uh, have anything that you wanted to plug? I know draft season's over, so I mean, it is always the grind. I already know you're looking at the 2024 draft, so yeah, anything you want to plug. <laughs> yeah, August and September is usually when I hit the breaks. So that's because uh, Peach Jam's going on next week, uh, which is the end of Nike YBL. Uh, mm-hmm. Summer League, I'll be there. Uh, so if y'all are, definitely hit me up. But um, I'll be just follow along, all that stuff. I'll be kind of breaking guys down, I think, a little bit more than most people. So on Mav- at Twitter, at Mavs Draft, and Instagram, NBA Draft Film. Yes, sir. All right, so thank you for coming on, man. We're going to thank you guys for listening and making Lockdown Wizards your first listen every day. For tomorrow and the rest of the week, get ready for free agency, and we'll possibly talk about this potential move to uh, Virginia. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, Rich, for coming on. Hell to the Wizards. Peace.